It's, uh, it's great to be back. <laughs> it really is. Um, I'll probably start here and then shift over there. That's all right. It's, uh, it's really, yeah, my name's Craig, and my wife, Nancy, is here as well. And uh, as you well know, as you might know, if, if you've known me and us for a while, uh, we were, I was called here as pastor for family life for a period of like four years to serve along Pastor Brian and Karen Heist, Pastor Karen now. And um, so it was, just, it was just such an honor to be here, a joy uh, to be called back here this morning uh, to share a word, um, just knowing that we continue to remain in missional partnership. Amen. I mean, we're just down the road. <laughs> um, just quickly, I have five kids, as you might remember. I have four grandkids uh, since we last talked. Our newest is uh, Margaret uh, Eden. She's about six weeks, is that right? Yeah, six weeks old now. We just got back from Tennessee uh, seeing her. But anyway, two, two little grandsons, two little granddaughters, and it's just it's a great life. And uh, so... Um, what else? Um, I'm part of River's Edge. I launched that ministry. Actually, while I was here uh, back in 2010, unofficially, more officially 2016, and our, our primary mission is calling the church to be his church for such a time as this. And so during these, this latter phase, at least of the time that I'll be with River's Edge, uh, we really desire to come alongside the broader church. Uh, not just the North American Lutheran Church and Lutherans, but the broader church, amen? The broader kingdom of God uh, for this day and age. Things are just a tad bit out of control <laughs> in our culture um, and just everywhere. And I, I believe the world needs the word of God in Jesus Christ now uh, more than ever. And uh, so anyway, I think that's about it. Um, great to be here. Uh, let's, let's pray. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So yeah, we, we do want to pray for Pastor Dan. Um, this was arranged ahead of time before he was sick. And uh, so anyway, I want to thank uh, Dan, Brother Dan, uh, for the time here. Um, it, it's really been a, a joy also for me to get to know him uh, this past year or so. But thank you for that. Grace and uh, peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and risen Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles with you or your phones, I'm not saying your phones are your Bible, but you may have a Bible in your phone. Uh, just uh, grab your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn with me uh, to John's Gospel, chapter uh, 14, uh, beginning at verse 1. This uh, particular context is one that is quite familiar. Um, in fact, you're probably most familiar with this um, passage uh, from attending a funeral. Am I right? Um, let not your hearts be troubled. Um, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, 
would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And where I am, you may be also. It's, it's an amazing uh, text this morning. In fact, this particular chapter, verse 1, more or less officially uh, kicks off this amazing uh, farewell discourse, this, this Jesus discourse, this, this time of prayer, and a time that's so filled with intimacy, with his intimate words, with his pastoral care, his loving, uh, his presence. And not only here in chapter 14, but it will continue into 15, 16, and conclude prior to the passion narrative, will conclude with the high priestly prayer. It's, it's phenomenal. And it's one that I believe speaks to us more appropriately and maybe in a more relevant way now more than ever. Because the world is a desperate place. It's a place that is searching for its way. It's completely lost. Um, it's searching for truth on so many different levels, and it doesn't know the truth. And so the world and its people continues to um, wonder and seek and search desperately, again, desperately so, and getting lost and caught up in false gospels, in false ways, in false truth, in a life that's only temporal, not a life that leads to eternity. And the good news is this, and you know this, that Jesus did not come to condemn that world, right? To condemn it to hell, but to save that world. And he dares to use poor creatures like us with clay feet, right? For such a task. That, that is amazing. And so um, I'm going to step over here. I know I've been told not to move beyond this square. Is that correct? Where's Wendy? I don't know where'd Wendy go, but... I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> it's really hard with a personality type like mine to stay within the square. But I'll do that and, um, and continue with the word. Um, so this narrative is, again, it's amazing. It, it, it gets our attention, or at least it should get our attention. Um, we, we know that we had this statement initially where... Um, Jesus is just telling them almost, I mean, right from the get-go, do not, and that's what you, I'm sure you're relating to that with that song, do not let your hearts be troubled, right? I've got this. I'll be with you every step of the way. And in fact, um, I'm, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. And it's a wonderful place. We're communing now, but I'm going to build a place for you with many rooms that we will have an eternity together to commune and to be in fellowship. And the good news is that, um, that the fathers re reveal the fullness of my love, my love in, in me. You know, I mean, Thomas gets all entangled as well as Philip. And, and this is what I want to lift up mostly this morning is it's, it's a, a, a conversation that looks a whole lot like our, our conversations. At least those conversations should. There's this wonderful 
um, inquiry by Thomas. Um, well, this is it. I'll read verse 3. Jesus says again, and when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. Um, and where I am, you may also be there with me. And Thomas is listening, listening very attentively, right? Attentively, in an attentive way. <laughs> there you go. Um, and um, listening very carefully and closely to the words of Jesus. This is the same Thomas, of course, later on, a few chapters later in, in chapter 20. You remember the doubting Thomas, which, again, we can relate to in such a huge way. But Thomas wants, wants a little point of clarification here. He says, uh, he says, and you know the way where I'm going, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we, how, how can we know that way? How can we know the way, Jesus? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. Also, henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Saying to Thomas and to the rest of them gathered into that upper room at this point, right? That upper room started, Last Supper started in, in, in John 16, as he girded himself with a towel. And now they're just having conversation around a meal. You know, one of those in-law meals <laughs> doesn't get quite out of control. Jesus is in control. He's very present. But they're talking about real things. And, and so um, Thomas is a, a little confused or, or unsure, unsure about the whole thing. And then later, verse 8, Philip, Philip chimes in. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and then we shall be satisfied. And then Jesus continues, Have I been with you so long, Philip? And yet you do not know me, Philip. He who has seen me has looked upon me, has looked upon the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me then, I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So it's wonderful. I mean, a wonderful text. Um, don't step down. Okay. <laughs> I want to go out there. <laughs> um, so have you, have you had an honest conversation with Jesus lately? Get this on. How do you, I think I got this. Yeah, sorry about that, people online. You're okay with it, though. You're good. Is that correct, Steve? Is that right? Yeah, good. Um, so how many of you struggled with, with questions before Jesus? Before? Right? You've had those conversations, I'm sure, in your own home, questions of doubt and questions even maybe filled with a particular trepidation and maybe fear to the point of even maybe not even being able to have a conversation, being immobilized, right, cocooning 
Guys like to cocoon and go into their caves, right? Oftentimes, quite honestly. And then there's no communication, conversation. Stuff happens. Things are said or not, or, or not said. Um, things left undone and things done, right? I mean, we can sin in the midst of times like that when there's, when there's doubt and when there's times of transition in our life. And this is exactly where the disciples found themselves in the midst of a significant transition. Now for us, when we, typically when we hear these words, we're attending a funeral or some type of memorial, right? Let not your hearts be troubled, right? And the minister, the pastor, just trying to encourage us not to become discouraged, to remain hopeful, right? Then oftentimes, every time that pastor, preacher will say, remember that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, right? In the midst of all of our despair and discouragement. So this text speaks to us not only at that level, but in a different level too. We've got to remember that Jesus was speaking these words just prior to his crucifixion, which would be, I believe, the next day. I mean, it's amazing. You have chapters uh, 13, you know, beginning of the Last Supper, 14, 15, 16, 17. At the end of 17, the end of the high priestly prayer, uh, Jesus then continues across the Kidron Valley and to Mount Gethsemane, right? The grove of olive trees at that point. But he has all this, it's wonderful, all this instructional time, this intimate time with his disciples pouring out his life into his disciples' life. You know, so much of it's filled up with abiding language, right? We get into chapter 15. Abide in me as I abide in the Father, this and that, and I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. He finishes, in fact, in 17, the latter part, verses 20 through 26. Father, may they be perfectly one as you and I are one. May they abide in one another as I abide in you and you abide in me. And as they abide in one another, as they become one, then the world will know you, Father. And that's the end goal, isn't it? So how do we get from here to there? There's a whole lot going on again in this conversation between Philip, Thomas, and the disciples. And they'll have a lot more in the next few chapters. Um, I think it's all about mission. If, if there was a title for this message, it would be um, uh, Stepping Out of the Comfort Zone and Into the Greater Works. We know that Jesus is disclosing his identity, helping them to have peace about this time that they will have with his departure and his death. Eventually, let not your hearts be troubled. Then he tells them, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. In verse 6, just know that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 12, he says, greater. My disciples, my, my pideon, my, that's the, the, the Greek word for my, my little precious ones, my children. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but right now, just know that, that I am the way and the truth and the life. Hold on to that. And then later on in verse 18, he says, he says to them, I, I believe that's the text next, next Sunday. He says to them, I will not leave you. Literally, I will not leave you desolate, but in the Greek, I will not leave you as orphans. Amen? You're not going to be alone. And so between now and then, I mean, then is 
I'll have a special room for you in communion with you. But between now and then, I will leave with you the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to come alongside you, to breathe life into you, to mobilize you. Eventually, we'll find out with the birthday of the church, right, in Acts, that the church is born again again with the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the people will be gifted with the Spirit to act in the way of, of the Spirit through their gifts, right? Acting with power, performing signs and miracles. You have, you've had a lot of those happen here, right? In this space. But he wants to call us to the greater works. Beyond the fear and the trepidation, beyond the immobilization of our lives. Smack dab in the middle of it. Do you believe God can do that? Do you believe that God is calling didn't call just Thomas and, and Philip and all the disciples, but has called you for a, a special purpose in time. Amen? Amen out there? It's amazing. This church, this, 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 uh, church is in transition right now in a big way, like all the other churches in the country. <laughs> you know what's happened the last three or four years or so. And then the culture's gone nuts as well. I mean, it's a crazy time. Things are inside out, upside down. What is wrong is right, and what is right is wrong. It's just everything's flipped upside down. We need to be about um, the work of the Father now. We need to be about the greater works. And I believe the greater works, you know, that's kind of our, that's a stumbling block, isn't it? It's pretty difficult to grasp. I believe the greater works have to do with mobilizing the whole church all at once. Jesus spent so much time one-on-one, one-on-one, -on -one, one -on -one, right, with people. I mean, yeah, he had the feeding of the 5,000, a few other wonderful, incredible miracles he can do, could have done anything, but he, he spent a lot of time one-on-one. -on -one. He wants the church to be one-on-one -on -one times a million. <laughs> I think that's part of the greater works. The other part of the greater works is that we, we believe in that thing which we can't see, right? And that happens through the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, uh, I've been so blessed to uh, participate in mission as well as you. I mean, I know you've, a lot of you have participated in mission work. And you get out in the mission field in that place that's a little bit scary and unknown, just like it was beyond the walls of that upper room. The uncertainty of the future is always there when you go into a disaster zone, especially after a hurricane or tornado or whatever, flood, whatever. You just don't know. In fact, one of our mantras is, Alan could probably say it, expect the unexpected, <laughs> right? Expect the unexpected. God's going to show up. If you want to make God laugh, show God your plans, right? It happens every time. So uh, just recently, um, um, we had the privilege of sending off a, a crew uh, through River's Edge, but it involved eight or nine churches, I believe, something like that. I couldn't go because of certain circumstances. Wasn't able to go, but our leadership went, and uh, they had a marvelous time and really didn't want to leave. And this, they went down to Pine Island, Florida, which is absolutely ruined, devastated by Hurricane Ian, a real mess. In fact, when they were there in January, the end of January, February, it was a disaster zone. And it was only then beginning to get rebuilt at that time. But I, I received a letter. I, you guys, I don't think you know about this. I received a letter through Kim Smith, who is part of River's Edge, but she also attends here. Um, and she was on that mission trip. 
And Kim recently received a letter uh, through one of the victims or whatever of the storm. And I would like to share that letter with you. Kind of like she lost her faith in the middle of that storm, and then it came back in a particular way because of this, uh, because of the Holy Spirit daring to work through that group. As it will come, the Spirit will come through you when you dare to move beyond these walls out there and step into that call that the Lord's called you to, right? So let me, uh, let me share it. Um, glasses are here. This, <laughs> don't step down. So this is, uh, this is a letter from Donna. Her name's Donna Kinney. And uh, a letter that was written really to, to all those who, who came down uh, through the cross-country mission trip. Uh, and then I'll show you a, a city mission slide, which, or video, which will make a lot of sense, actually. So um, this is the aftermath of the work of the Holy Spirit, daring to work through people like us, all of us. Blessings to all. We are one of the Pine Island homeowners, Mr. and Mrs. Donna Kinney, that had the privilege to have these angels appear in the midst of our, one of our darkest days following Hurricane Ian. At almost 70 years old and 47 years of marriage, we, for the first time in our lives, had lost hope. The Lord spared our lives, the kindness of a neighbor whose home sheltered us from 14 feet of rising water. It was terrifying. And we thought uh, that the worst was going to happen at any moment in that time. That's what she kind of paraphrases here, or what I'm paraphrasing from here. Um, they, they were literally, they made a, a pact with one another. If one goes, we're, we're both going to let go and be with Jesus. The water was rising that high, and it was that, that powerful of a current underneath. But they lived. And then she continues. Um, the morning after the storm, we checked our house. Sadly, the water had risen to five feet inside, all lost. Our land was stripped of all flora and fauna. We were now homeless. The memories of our lives were spread along the road. The piano keyboard sat amongst the ruin along with all of our worldly possessions. You think you're going through transition, right? <laughs> Here at St. John, right? You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it could be worse, I guess. But anyway, it's all good. I mean, it's all good because the Lord's in control. She continues. As precious as our belongings were, it is just stuff and we had an attach that, that we had an attachment to. Living in a camper in our driveway has been a learning experience. A family a member loaned us a truck and a camper in order to bless us with a place to lay our head while we attempt to repair. We've learned we need much less. There are so many others who have far less. The gift of giving and sharing is more enriching than receiving. A huge lesson, you betcha. Receiving is one of the most humbling experiences ever. Our spirits were so low, then God sent a miracle, River's Edge Ministries, located in Mount Airy, and they all traveled to Pine Island, Florida, in January as part of cross-country mission. Again, there were like 25 of us, of them, of all of us, from nine different churches all together. Uh, Mary Bates, an NALC disaster relief coordinator, was such a blessing to extend a hand of relief. Her group came in and worked so hard for three days. They all glowed with their Christian and positive spirits, their presence filled our home with a renewed feeling of God's love. Both their spirit and their loving hands left their marks and hearts uh, in our home forever. 
we shall forever be humbled, grateful, and blessed for all the kindness that was shown to us. And I love this part. It's so, there's just so much humility here. We have a long way to go, but without the helping hands and feet of Jesus, we need not, uh, we'd not be where we are today. Our deepest thanks and blessings to all. That's, that's amazing. There was another, uh, another man named Dana. Um, his wife had died of cancer, just, and he lived like a block over. I hope I, I, hope I get the story correct. Um, he had lost his wife from cancer seven years before. Was about to give up hope. He was a Christian, had been a Christian. Hurricane hit, lost, lost all hope completely. Now you think, how can God work through somebody like me the way he worked through Jesus? You know, you know what I'm saying here? Guess what happened to Dana? He caught Donna's enthusiasm, started coming over. He, would, he, he didn't want anything to do with what was going on there. Started coming, coming over, and every day he was like a, a kid in a candy shop every morning. He regained hope and it found a, had a newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? And I could tell other stories. And I wasn't even there. <laughs> I could tell other stories. Um, so I want to encourage you. Um, with, we're gonna, I'm going to share a video. We do something now called City Mission. I want to invite all of you here. The first City Mission happened through here. I was going to lead a, a cross-country mission like a disaster relief. To It was a hurricane after Hurricane uh, Sandy hit New Jersey uh, after that hurricane. And uh, that got shut down. I had a sign up in the back here. We had 40 people signed up with like 20, 20 kids, youth or whatever at the time. And we were all geared up to go with a couple other churches and it shut down. Anyway, long story short, I had written an article in 2006 uh, about Hurricane Katrina before that, uh, about why do we need to wait for a flood or a hurricane or tornado to do disaster relief? Why don't we pitch a tent in our own backyard? Anyway, it was a theory in that article I wrote in 2006. Back to 2014, things fell through here and um, with Hurricane Sandy relief. And I went home. I was kind of bummed out that day. I said, Nancy, my wife, what do we do? She said, do that, do that thing you were, wrote about back in 2006. That's what we did. And City Mission developed. And uh, I want to invite you in. Uh, you, you're welcome to participate. We have 14 acres. Our land is your land. Uh, we want to develop, as, develop it as a Mission Life Center. And this event's coming up, uh, City Mission, uh, on May 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, something like that. But I want to invite you, and some of you have actually participated. This is a, uh, this is a video. <laughs> I will step off once and for all. This is a video from uh, last year's uh, City Mission. So enjoy. Thank you.
I think that Baltimore um, and inner cities in general really get bad publicity. Like first glance, people will notice, oh, the, the trash or oh, the sex trafficking or oh, the drugs, which is true, and oh, the violence, which is very true and concerning. However, I've never been in a neighborhood more relational than this place, and I love, I love this place, and my heart is for this place. The ministry that God calls us into, He calls us into partnership. First, into partnership with God Himself, because it is His own ministry that He entrusted unto us. The only way we could be successful, we can be successful, is having a partnership. And that's how River Edge City Ministry came into being. It means everything to have groups come in to help us because it just helps to lift up our hands. Groups like River Edge are super important. One, it lets the community know that um, they matter. So groups that come from out of town, um, the community really respects that um, because they're taking time out of their day to love on their community. Um, so that's really important for um, groups to come to do commissions. It also helps us as an organization get to the next step that we need to be. Um, we have limited resources, limited staff, limited time. Um, so mission teams are um, really vital for us to um, do the work that needs to be done here. If God calls us, He is faithful. He is faithful to, pro to provide for us. He is faithful to grant us the safety that we need. He is faithful to guide us into achieving and expanding and making the kingdom of God flourish. God is granting us safety and favor because of the gospel. That does not mean that we're immune to violence here. Um, that does not mean that, you know, um, that evil cannot touch us, but it simply means we are enjoying God's favor. Uh, we love our community and our community, uh, even those who do not attend church here, they know us. And so we feel safe in our community. People that live here are the are humans too, and uh, they need love and they need respect. And um, and I think we're all um, one and the same. And we just our our needs are different, and the way that we love is different. So um, I would always encourage people to step out of their comfort zone. And when you do that, great things are are bound to happen. Our work here in the city of Baltimore has bring or has brought great impact in the lives of people. Simply put, it has transformed life because the gospel is meant to transform life. We believe change is possible. Um, we see it every day on a daily basis. Um, and we see it over time too. You know, um, the investment in communities and individuals take time um, and patience and um, so you may not see drastic transformation, but those wins and victories make it all worth it um, to see lives completely transform. Yes, heart transformation and community transformation is taking place. And yes, I wholeheartedly believe that it will in the future. Oh, yeah, sorry, this is the best part here.
That picture was from 2000 and 2014. Yeah. So if you're interested in partnering with us, you have in the past, it's primarily literally coming together as the body of Christ. And obviously I've spoke, spoke with Pastor Dan and, uh, and you guys are official partners now, which is really cool. Pastor Dan attended last year, Alan, and maybe a couple others actually, but you're welcome to join us. There's, uh, there's some trifolds in the back. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We, we lift up Pastor Dan and just pray that he continues to feel better and is refreshed uh, these next few days. And just thank you for St. John and the impact that they're having uh, with this part of your kingdom uh, for such a time as this. We offer this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Yeah.